Hello and greetings to you. I would much prefer to be sharing this message of hope face-to-face -face or in person within the context of a beautiful worship service, but the circumstances we find ourselves in require a, a new medium for communicating the hope that God has for us in the gospel. So for the time being, we will use videos like this to bring words of comfort and solace as well as hope and even joy for the people of God. So bear with me as I perhaps fumble through this video. Now, let me begin by asking um, you this question. What is the most frequent command in the Bible? Perhaps one of the Ten Commandments come to mind, like do not steal or do not lie, or maybe the golden rule, do unto others as you would have done unto you, or turn the other cheek, or love your neighbor as yourself. Yes, these are all commands from Scripture, but they're not the most frequent command. The most frequent command is also the command that we most need to hear during this time of crisis. Over 70 times in the Bible, God commands his people, fear not, don't be afraid, do not fear. What a word for us today. While there may be a few people out of a hundred who have been acting as if this coronavirus is no big deal, most of us are coming to think that this is the biggest crisis we've ever faced. I watched an interview the other night uh, when a man in his 70s with sober reflection said that this pandemic is the biggest crisis in his lifetime. And so we find ourselves faced with uncertainty, loss of jobs, fear of illness, concern for not being able to provide for or protect those we love. and all of this, this creates in us anxious hearts. Phil Riken points out that there are three major components of anxiety. First, there is the psychological component, which features physical symptoms such as muscle tension, sweating, and palpitations of the heart. Second, there is the psychological component, which is characterized by emotional symptoms such as restlessness, sleeplessness, irritability, failure to concentrate, feelings of fear. Finally, there is the social component, as people suffering anxiety cling to other people for assurance, hoping that someone can help him or her feel safe. The causes of anxiety are many. They include fears about the future, feelings of inadequacy, financial pressures, work-related stress, loneliness, family conflict, grief, and the fear of death. And the internet is replete with stress-relieving pharmaceuticals, herbal elixirs, aromatherapies, breathing techniques, self-help programs, and a thousand other treatment options. And so no doubt, some of these remedies, yes, they're useful in certain ways. But nevertheless, Jesus, in this short passage I'm about to read, offers his disciples and us a more complete cure from the worries of life. Do not be anxious, fear not, for you have a heavenly Father who loves you and had brought you into his good and eternal kingdom. This is our source of joy this morning. 
Let me read Luke chapter 12, verses 22 through 34. And he said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. And then verse 32, which we will focus upon this morning, Jesus continues, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This is the word of God. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. If we want to know God, if we want to know his will, if we want to know his way, then we must know his word. So people think the Bible lacks relevance today. This passage we just read proves otherwise. Jesus is addressing the human heart and its tendency towards fear and anxiety. People in Jesus' day were anxious about things that we are anxious about today. Our lives, food, clothing, shelter, jobs. And into their fear and anxiety over life, Jesus tells them something that we need to hear afresh today. That if in God's grace you come to find your life in Christ, then God is your Heavenly Father. And He is not a stingy Father. He is not a powerless Father. Father, nor is he a distant, aloof father. No, he loves you and sees you and cares for you. And in times of trial, like what we're enduring, the Son, Jesus Christ, commands us, fear not. Notice, Jesus' words are not advice. It is a command, fear not. Think about that. Why is it that Jesus issues us a command not to fear? Well, because we're so easily prone to fear. 
and anxiety and worry. So he has to halt us in our tracks. Stop, fear not, don't be afraid. Contrary to how you feel, you have a heavenly father who is watching over you. And when God and his kingdom become your greatest treasure, this gospel hope moves you from fear to freedom. That is the point Jesus is trying to get across in verse 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I've divided our message under three headings. The source, the sympathy, and the satisfaction. The source, the sympathy, and the satisfaction. First, the source. Think about it. The source of a command is just as important as the command itself. If you're out late at night, let's say walking down Main Street in Sag Harbor and an inebriated man stumbles out of the corner bar and falls to his knees and looks up at you and points to the sky and says, Martians are coming, run, run for your lives. You would probably say a quick prayer for the man as you trace a, a wide path around him, would you not? My point being the source from which commands are given is of the utmost importance. For us today, what we need to understand is that the source of this command, fear not, is none other than Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And my friends, there could be no greater source. There is no higher court upon which we could turn for comfort. Jesus, the Son of God, came from heaven to earth so that we may not just hear from God, but be drawn near. The New Testament book of Hebrews begins with these amazing words. Listen. Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He, that's Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. My friends, God the Father sent his son Jesus, who is the exact imprint of of God the Father's divine nature. This means Jesus is God in the flesh. He came to purify us from sin so that we can become sons and daughters of God. And he has returned to his majestic throne in heaven where he rules. This very same Jesus has spoken. The Father has spoken through his Son. This is the source of the command, fear not. Now, how does this help us? Well, many ways, but think about this one. When we are facing trials in which we ourselves are powerless to remedy, like this coronavirus, what a true and certain comfort it is to know, to know that Jesus says, fear not. If the source was your next door neighbor, the best you can think is, what a nice lady. 
and reply back, thank you. May you not be anxious too, right? But if the source of the words, fear not, come from heaven itself, then we can have confidence and we can listen and take comfort from the words that come after the command, fear not. So the source of the command is none other than God's eternal Son, who came to live and die and rise so that we can be cared for by our Heavenly Father. But it is not enough to know that the source of the command, fear not, is God himself. What else do we need to experience before we can address our fears? We need to know that the one who says, fear not, has sympathy for us, that he cares, that he cares enough to actually do something. So the next point I want us to see is the sympathy. During the Great Depression in the 1920s, Hobos who traveled the railways used to place a mark on the houses where a kind person lived who handed out food. And so if you were a hobo and you found yourself in a town and you were hungry, you would walk the streets looking for houses with that symbol. When you found it, you knew the person inside was sympathetic. My grandparents, Jack and Helen Middlecoff's home, bore such a mark. My grandfather remained employed during the Depression. They didn't have much, and what they had they shared with the hobos. And that mark outside their home communicated to those in need that sympathetic people lived inside. My friends, the cross of Jesus Christ is the great sign that communicates that God in heaven is sympathetic to our need. Our greatest need isn't food or shelter. Our greatest need is a forgiveness of sin that reconciles us back to God. And that is what God has done for us in sending his Son. And so it is no good to hear the words, fear not, if the person saying it cares not. But that is not the case for us as children of God. Look again at what verse uh, Jesus says in verse 32, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Good pleasure. Wow. What a wonderful word that is. The word translated good pleasure is the Greek word eudokosin. It is a compound word. Eu is the Greek prefix meaning good. From it we get our word eulogy, meaning a good word about someone. We get the Greek word euangelion, which means good news or gospel. The prefix is attached to the Greek word dokeo, which means to think or suppose. So together, eudokosin means to think goodly, or as our translation states, with good pleasure. Listen and let this sink in. Uh, for in doing so, you will move from fear to trust and from trust to calm and from calm to freedom. It is your Heavenly Father's good pleasure to watch over you and care for you and provide for you. He is supremely sympathetic to you. I know you might not feel this way. That is why Jesus has to command us to fear not. Jesus does not want us to root our emotions in fear, but in fact. 
And the facts are, you have a Heavenly Father who is goodly pleased to give to you. He does not hold back. He is not stingy. So will you let this truth fill your mind right now? Comfort that Jesus intends for you to dwell in you richly. So we've looked briefly at the source and at the sympathy. Now for our last point, the satisfaction. In this last point, we will address the question that certainly comes to mind. Perhaps you were thinking, well, if God is up in heaven, why doesn't he just put an end to this? If he loves me and he is my father in heaven, then why does he allow me to experience hardship and trials that cause me to wonder and worry? Why doesn't God just wave his wand and fix everything? I cannot answer that question in depth right now, but I can give you an example that helps you to understand. Imagine you're a parent with a special magical power. You're able to see into the future every hardship your child will ever face, every bullying on the playground, every skinned knee, every late night of studying for a difficult exam. What if you could wave a wand and make it so your child experienced no hardship ever, no stressful experiences that cause your child to run to you for comfort and help. Imagine you're a parent with a special magical power. You're able to see into the future every hardship your child will ever face, every bullying on the playground, every skinned knee, every late night of studying for difficult exam. What if you could wave a wand and make it so your child experienced no hardship ever? No stressful experiences that cause your child to run to you for comfort and help. Would you use those powers? My guess is that, though it hurts you to see your child this way, you would not wave your magic wand. Well, neither does your Heavenly Father. In fact, God allows horrible events like this global pandemic to cause us to run to him for comfort and help and, yes, happiness and joy. See, in this broken and sinful world, God does not promise us escape from hardship. God does not promise that there will be no things that scare you, but he does promise us a place and a person to run to. And who are we to run to? the king of the kingdom that God gave us, Jesus Christ. Look again at verse 32. Jesus said, For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Jesus said that our Heavenly Father was pleased to give. Give. That is a grace word if I ever heard one. God's gift to us is what? The kingdom. Seems weird. It seems like such the non-solution, the kingdom. Remember the context, though. Jesus is speaking to disciples who, like us, worry about jobs and food and shelter and clothes and our lives in general. And think about it. If that is the context, then what is the answers our hearts want wants to hear? We, we want to hear that God will give us those things. 
And yes, Jesus says our Father in Heaven knows what we need and He provides. In fact, you and I are far more valuable than, than ravens, which God feeds every day. Jesus said God will give us our daily bread, but He says God gives us something more profound, the Kingdom. Why is the Kingdom, and of course the King with it, the answer that most satisfies us? Because when we understand the gift of the Kingdom, our focus will no longer be fixed upon things that cause us fear. See, the human tendency is to seek after earthly things to satisfy us, our careers, our possessions. But Jesus makes a good point. When we look to our possessions and wealth, and even our health for security and satisfaction, then we are placing our trust and hope upon things that can be taken away or destroyed. That is why Jesus says what he does in verses 33 and 34. He says, Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Remember, in ancient times, the heart represented more than the emotional part that we think of today. It represented the entirety of your thoughts and will and actions. Jesus is saying a simple truth we can all commend. Whatever you treasure most, that is what your heart will beat for. Jesus is cautioning us to not let our lives, our hearts, to beat only for earthly good things like food or clothes or health. Instead, treasure what it means to belong to the kingdom which God has given you. Find your ultimate satisfaction in the reality that God's kingdom has come and that you, by God's grace, have been made members in that kingdom and that Jesus Christ is our risen King. But the fullness of the kingdom has not yet come fully. There is a day in the future when Christ will return, and on that day, all that is wrong with this world will be finally and forever made right. And there will be no such thing as quarantines and coronavirus. There will be no more sorrow or even death. All those who belong to Christ and His kingdom will be raised like Christ in glory on a new earth. And so, if you aren't yet a follower of Christ, I implore you to allow this crisis to work like smelling salts so that you will be awakened to your need of Christ. Turn to Him. Have Him wash your sins away and welcome you into His kingdom. For the rest of us, who already profess faith in Christ, be reminded that we live in the already, not yet. Christ and His kingdom have come already, but the kingdom is not yet fully here. And so, let us find our satisfaction in the fact that we belong to Christ and His kingdom. And no matter what hardship comes our way, we can fear not. In fact, more than just lacking fear, we can actually be freed to abound in happiness and hope. So let me ask, 
Is your heart treasuring the kingdom that God has given you, or is there something else above Christ and his kingdom that you are treasuring right now? What Jesus is saying to us is this, fear not. You have the greatest gift of heaven that satisfies all the good longings of your soul. Treasure this grace from God and, and let your hearts beat for him and his kingdom. Attach yourselves to, to Jesus and see your fears transformed to faith and freedom. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Let's pray. Father in heaven, in these times of trial and crisis and concern, we we confess that we uh, have become anxious and fearful about the things that Jesus has commanded us to fear not over. Help us in this hour, in these days, to, to hear from you, to know that the source of our command and our comfort is from heaven itself, from you, Heavenly Father. Help us uh, to, to trust in you and relish in you, and rely upon you. May we rest in this gospel message. Um, may we look towards the kingdom. May we know that though we live in the already not yet, our future is secure. And so no matter what happens to us, even if our bodies succumb to this illness, we know that we are in good hands. We give our lives, we give our souls to you. In the name of Jesus, amen.